You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Great, good morning. It's um, third one I'm doing in Bible Heroes. Bible Heroes. If you've got a Bible, I'd love it if you could turn to the book of Joshua, Joshua and chapter 2. Just while you're doing that, the hero today is a single woman. Uh, I've looked so far at Peter, and I've also looked at Stephen. This week is a girl called Rahab. She lived about three and a half thousand years ago. What has happened, if you don't know the the story of the Bible, is Moses, some of you might have heard of, was the the guy that led the, the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea. They wandered around in a desert for about 40 years. Moses then dies, and his assistant, a guy called Joshua, takes over and leads them into the Promised Land. But before Joshua does that, he decides to send two spies into the first city that they will be attacking, which is Jericho. And that's where we pick up the story in Joshua chapter 2. Rahab and the spies. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim to go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, Yes, the men came to me, but I do not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the road and uh, on the roof, sorry, and said to them, "I know the Lord has given you this land, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us." So that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Shion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family, because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we're doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourself there three days until they return, and then go on your way. 
Now the men had said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house. And if any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Let's pray. Jesus, some of us have read this story many times. Some of us, it's the first time maybe we've heard of it. We pray that you'd speak to us today. Sometimes we think, what have we got in common with a a girl three and a half thousand years ago who lived miles away from here? But we believe that this is your word. We honestly believe that there is something for everyone here. I pray that as we come and listen to what I've got to say, that we'll hear from God. Not that my words are perfect, but that God was speaking to every life this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So if I had to summarize today's talk in one word, if there's one word that I could think about Rahab, it's this, grace. Grace. Why do I think about grace when I think about Rahab? Well, I guess if I'm totally honest, what I, what I think of her life is, and I probably think the same of myself, is I often think life is like a, a set of scales, scales of justice. You know, and, and if you're a little bit like Rahab, you might think, golly, how is life going to turn out for me? We know that she did something good. She hid these spies. These were, these were like two spies from God's people. She hid them. Surely that was something good. Maybe she thought, hey, I've done a good turn. I'm going to be spared. I wonder if you think your life is like that. I wonder even this morning, you think, what kind of week have I had? How is my life going on? I let somebody in front of me in the traffic yesterday. Great. I'm a good Christian. You know what I'm saying? I bought somebody a coffee when it was their turn to buy me one. I'm a good Christian. Yeah, I could think, oh, surely my life, it's, it's in the balance. I'm looking good, aren't I? I babysat for someone when they should have babysat for me. I offered a lift to somebody even though it was in the opposite direction to where I was going. If you had to hold your life in the scales today, how would it balance out? Would you be saying, oh, actually, I think I've done something good? Or actually, I'm a bit concerned. I wonder how Rahab felt. You see, she could say, oh, I've done this good turn. But actually, on the other side, we know quite a bit about Rahab, which would have tipped the scales the other way. She was an Amorite. So you say, well, what was that? They were known as an idolatrous people. They had many gods. In fact, their name meant insolent and fierce. Okay, so that suddenly says a little bit about the reputation. You know what I'm saying? You suddenly think, golly, I I serve all these different kind of people, and actually I'm just fierce, and I'm up for it. Come on, who wants to fight? 
I can imagine that's the kind of people that she came from. She must have thought, I don't think that is going to do well on the scales of justice. She was a prostitute. Now, I don't know which version of the Bible you read, but some almost try and play this down a little bit. And in one translation, they put an innkeeper. But actually, they reckon if you read it in the original, no, no, she, was, she, she provided services that we would associate with prostitution. In fact, they would say that if you read it in the original, it was a bit more erotic than even in the English because they went into her and stayed with her. Many would say, well, this was a total suggestion that they think even the spies had enjoyed the services of this prostitute. Many of us would say, oh, golly, I don't think that's going to look good on your scales of life. We know that she's a liar. It's, it's quite shocking, isn't it? Maybe she's lied for many customers in the past, or maybe to their families. Because suddenly the spies come, she doesn't seem to hesitate, she just lies. I mean, she doesn't just lie to anyone, she's lying to the king. You know, basically, if you were attacked like this and, and, and you didn't help defend your nation, it was really treason. You know, I mean, we celebrate this. I don't quite understand why we celebrate on November the 5th, you know. I mean, a, a treasonous plot, and we all decide to have fireworks. But most people think treason's not a good thing. And you think, God, if I've got treason in my life, I think that's going to weigh down the scales, isn't it? I, I don't know about you. I was thinking about this. I've never preached on Rahab before. I cannot think of any church called St. Rahab. <laughs> Do you? You know what I'm saying? You suddenly think, why is that? I mean, it's a name in the Bible, isn't it? I don't think many of us, if we were thinking of Rahab, would think of the leader of the school PTFA. You know, you don't think of somebody positive, someone that's trying to do some good. Actually, you think of someone that's fairly negative. In fact, the story tends to give us the hint that she was aware that she was facing certain death. You see, God had said when you're to go into this land, you're to kill all. So I wonder if she looked at the scales of life. I wonder if she thought, golly, I've done one good turn, but actually I know that I'm, I'm literally facing death. It doesn't look good. What about you? Where do your scales go? What do you think of when you think of this? Christopher Columbus I remember learning about him at school, read something that he said this way. He was an explorer. We would say discovered America. Many would say America was there. He just found it for us. He said, I am a most noteworthy sinner, but I've cried out to the Lord for grace and mercy, and they have covered me completely. I thought, wow, have you discovered what Christopher Columbus discovered? Actually, I'm aware... That my, I'm tipping like this, but I've discovered there's a God of grace. And I believe this story this morning, I want us to say that I believe that Rahab will discover something of the grace of God. What about you? You may say, Pete, you don't know what I've done this week. You don't know what I've looked at. You don't know how I've lied at work or I've bent the rules. or You don't know how many times the speed camera flashed because I was in a rush. But actually, have you discovered something of grace? Billy Graham, who some would have said has been the greatest evangelist of the, definitely the last hundred years, says, God's mercy and grace give me hope for myself and for our world. 
You see, I think if we understand something of grace from this story, it changes everything. I believe that one word would have described Rahab, harlot. But after the grace of God, I believe that she was a hero. And grace turns everything around. I don't know if you picked it up in the story. I I read the, the whole chapter to you. Joshua and Rahab were the only people whose names we even discover. Grace had sort of brought her alive in this story. We've got the spies, we've got the king, we've got the men, we've got the pursuers, we've got the family, but actually grace pulls out this name. And almost out of this whole story, you suddenly think, wow, here is something of grace. I believe that the the whole story is a picture, in case you hadn't picked up, of grace. Some would say the scarlet cord high in the window. Now, I don't know that it was looking exactly like this. Obviously, it's some artist's impression. I quite liked it, because what it says to me is like, everything was gray, but there's this red thread of grace. So it's almost like, and this is only an artist's impression, it's not an archaeological, historical fact. Some of you would tell me it was wrong. But that in the city walls, they let them escape. She left this scarlet cord so that actually, you know, people would notice she left it there so that when they came back, they'd think that, is, that would have protected all in that house. Don't you think that reminds you of what happened in Exodus? Exodus, second book of the Bible. Exodus is when the people who've been in Egypt as slaves are, are just about to go. They're getting ready to go. Why are they getting ready to go? Because God has sent the plagues, and the last plague was the plague of judgment and death. And so what did God say to the people? He said, look, if you do a faith thing, what do I want you to do? I'd like you to kill a spotless lamb. I'd like you to take the blood and I'd like you to put it over your door. And then when the angel of death comes, wherever that blood is, they will be protected. If you're in the house, you're, you're, you're safe. And that's what they did. And you can read all about it. It's in Exodus 12. Moses having summoned the elders to do it. I, I can see that almost as a picture that's now happening to Rahab. It's almost what she's done is by faith. She's taken a hold of, what's, what's this, Scarlet? It's almost like it's a symbol over the door. We know from the author of Hebrews in the New Testament that, that blood needs to be shed. It says, in, in the law requires that everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. I believe that this was a picture of grace. Somebody else is paying the price. By this, she will be saved. Are you aware of the grace of God in your life? Are you aware that by grace, you can be saved? She recognized her need of God. I mean, that's the amazing thing, isn't it, of Rahab? I mean, well, we don't know loads about it, but what we do know is that she, she'd heard about God. It tells us that she'd heard about the Red Sea, and also the other incident that she mentions is the two kings. Now, many commentators have said, actually, they were the bookends of her knowledge, because the first event was the one that happened as soon as they got out of the um, slavery, out of Egypt, and the, the other event was the last one that had happened. And so although she said, look, I've, I've heard about these two events, that's the pace of the story. 
and that probably she'd heard of many other events in between. Some of you might have heard, actually, the Bible says God created the world. And actually, one day, he will come back. You've heard the bookends of the story. That's Genesis, first book of the Bible. That's Revelation, last book of the Bible. But actually, in between, there is so much more. In between, we discover that God sent his son for us. He lived a perfect life. He died on a cross in our place. He took our shame to give us joy. He took our guilt to give us peace. He took our anger and gives us freedom. He took our loneliness and puts us into community. He took our pointlessness and put us with purpose. I think that this woman understood something of this. I believe that that's why it was a grace thing to her. And that then she came to a point of faith. Why do I say that? Well, in the story, it tells us not only about a God in heaven, but a God who's actually sovereign on the earth. There was almost an understanding. I've heard the facts about God, but actually I recognize that he impacts me. You say, you're reading quite a bit into that, and I think, good, keep asking me questions. Because it says in Hebrews 11, Hebrews, the chapter 11, is heroes of faith. And Rahab gets a mention. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And so I believe that grace was offered, and she received it by faith. I believe that grace is offered to you now. Will you take it by faith? Will you say, yeah, I'll have it? I, I, I'm always marveled at this kind of thing. I'm only going to do it with a pen because somebody will probably know it and think, I could say to you, hey, do you want a pen? And you could say, yes. But if you just sat there, you'd never get it. But if you got up out of your seat, you'd come and have it. You see, obviously nobody wants a pen. You see what I'm saying? If I'd have done a 20-pound note, would you have come? If I'd have done a 100-pound note, would you have come? Check for a thousand pounds here. Do you want it? You could say, yeah, we'll come and get it. By faith, that's what we're doing. We understand, actually, we're taking a hold of what God offers to us. I believe that that is what happened with Rahab. By faith, she understood something. Paul, when he writes to the church in Romans, says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's almost like I've understood some of these facts, but I've then believed. I would encourage you, keep going in the grace of God. This is not just the way we start the Christian life. It's the way we live the Christian life. She was a woman of grace. We're to be a people of grace. It changes everything, doesn't it? I don't know. You just sort of think, oh, wow. If I honestly believe that God loves me, if I honestly believe that he sent his son to die, it changes everything. I don't know. I'm sure most of you have heard of Martin Luther, great reformist. I mean, he wrote all these theses. I don't understand many of them. But one of the quotes I do understand, he said, was this, pray and let God worry. I thought, I like that approach to it, don't you? It's almost like in grace, I know that God's in control. I'm going to pray and I'm going to let God do the worrying. I'm going to trust him. And, and because she had faith, this faith spread. It says her whole family was saved. This would be one reason why I would suggest she was single. She never asked for her husband. Maybe the marriage wasn't going well. No, I'm not going to go down that road. 
She said, my mother and my father, my brother and my sisters, I want to get them into there. She never mentioned a husband. She never mentioned kids. All the commentators would say I'm the same. We think she was a single woman. But actually, she said, I don't want to keep what I've discovered. I want to share it with others. Those that I really care about. Those that I'm really concerned about. You know, someone's like, wow, this is amazing. How could I possibly just jump into this room and let everyone else suffer? Let everyone else die? I don't know about you. You just sort of think, oh, I wonder how big the room was. I wonder how many people were in the family. You know, I like to imagine it was like, move down, move down. This is my cousin's cousin's second wife. They're getting in the house too. You know, I don't know how many people this involved. I mean, I always think, you know, as a student, the parties, you go to somebody's house and it would all be in the lounge, wouldn't it? But actually, the real party was in the kitchen. And often you could be sort of like this, couldn't you? And you think, why are you like that? I don't know, we want as many people in here as possible. I wonder if it was like that with Rahab's house. I don't think they were just all sort of sat around in business class. I can imagine them saying, come on, squeeze in, squeeze in. How many more could we save? We know that this judgment is coming. We know there will be death. But if we can get someone here, there's life. I mean, I think surely that's the kind of grace that we've got. And I don't want to say to people, oh, oh just, we don't care about you. We're just going to be sad and be sane. I want to say to people, come and join us. You know, I'd love the welcome team in their T-shirts to be at the door kicking people in like the tube. You know what I'm saying? Look, I reckon we can get another 10 in there. Why is that? You know, it's almost like squeeze the doors, push them in. Move, everyone move down a bit. Wouldn't that be great? Because that's when we've been overwhelmed with the grace of God. Just like the woman at the well in John 3. She encounters Jesus Grace comes to her. We know that woman, she, uh, well, she'd had five husbands. She was sleeping with someone else. You think so similar to this one, really. She encounters Jesus who loves her unconditionally. And she said, whoa, I've got to go and tell everyone else. I want to bring the whole village. I sometimes think, have I encountered him that well? I think, oh, God, I want to encounter you so much, I can't help but tell the whole village. I mean, that's what I love about it. You come on, you know, oh, you think, I want to meet with God's people and just encounter God so powerfully. I want time to my own in the morning. Think, God, I've heard you so clearly. I can't help but tell about you this day. Because I've been so overwhelmed with the grace of God. I'm going to skip the next slide. What else do we know? We know that she's mentioned in James. James chapter 2. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off? James basically takes it from another angle. Many would say that. He said, actually, I know your faith by what you do. He was the guy that said, actually, I know grace has come to you by the way you live. This is not moralism we're talking about. This is the grace of God. Some of us heard a guy uh, speak yesterday, a guy called PJ he was saying about his son, he's, he lives in South Africa and needs to learn Afrikaans. And he said, oh, I just sits there, he's just not interested. He said, what he really needs is a girlfriend that speaks Afrikaans. <laughs> because then he'd, he'd want to learn, wouldn't he? You know what I'm saying? Then he'd want to. The, the, how do I understand? Well, you know, there should be that with us and God. It's not, do I have to put in an offering pot? Oh, I love him so much. What, what could I possibly give to him today? 
I know some of you say, I'm still in that stage. I remember when I first met Nikki, you know what I'm saying? I think, what could I possibly do for her? Where could we possibly go? Now we've got a joint account, she just spends what she likes anyway. But <laughs> in those days, I felt like I gave her something. <laughs> How much do I really love? I could, whatever you want, I would love to give. That's, that's the heart, isn't it, of grace? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, the gospel makes me work harder, the grace of God, than all the rest. Why? Because I've been bowled over by this grace. Rick Warren, who um, many of you would have heard of a book he wrote, uh, wrote called The Purpose Driven Life, says, what gives me the most hope every day is God's grace. Knowing that his grace is going to give me the strength for whatever I face. Knowing that nothing is a surprise to God. I tell you, that's great. You could know that grace every day. And I think when we look at the story of Rahab, that's the grace that's on offer to us. And I think, I know we're going to be breaking bread, and that's why we wanted to, I think sometimes we've maybe gone it a little bit rushed, and we want to just give some time, because actually the whole thing is, this is the grace of God, that Jesus Christ would die for me. He would shed his blood so that I can know forgiveness. This is why we celebrate it. You see, grace totally transformed Rahab. Because many of you say, Pete, Rahab's mentioned one other time in the New Testament. One other time. We know that she was mentioned in Hebrews. We know that she's mentioned in James. Where else was she mentioned? Matthew. When she mentioned in Matthew? The genealogy of Jesus. It says in Matthew 1, verse 5, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. You see, grace totally changed her life. Because although this hero started as a single woman, she ended up as a married mother. And that's the picture of grace. It takes you from loneliness and isolation, and it sticks you into a family and a community. That's what the gospel does, isn't it? Ultimately, it's almost like she only ever knew intimacy because she was being paid. She gets taken to this place of beauty where she's cherished, where she's loved and she's delighted in. You could read about it in Joshua 6, which is where the story finishes. I mean, basically, she comes, she's on the outskirts of the community because she's unclean, but then we discover that obviously she's welcomed right in. And you think she's now in the line of Jesus Christ. Why is that? That's grace. I mean, that's turned everything around, hasn't it? I mean, you think her, her life would have been so, so radically different. She would have been ostracized. She would have been kept on one side. She would have been on the fringe. You know, I bet women wouldn't want to look at her in the past because they think, have you slept with my husband? We don't want people like you around here. I wonder why she was right on the edge of the city. She felt shame, rejection, remorse, guilt. Maybe this was the only way she could keep going. But then by grace... She ends up in a family. By grace, she ends up with a husband. By grace, she ends up with a child. By grace, she's part of the line that leads to Christ. I just think, what an amazing difference. Now, if you were really true, you'd say to me, you stretched the hero analogy here. Because she did nothing. 
Yeah, if you listen to Stephen, and I preached on that one, or you listen to Peter, they did something. They were heroes. Ultimately, I believe we're heroes. Not because of what we do, but because of what he's done for us. And so what we don't want to do is look at these characters in there and think, oh, golly, if only I could learn to fire a catapult like David, I could be a hero. But no, it was not, it was not ultimately about them. It was ultimately about God. And so I want you to go from this place believing, hey, who knows what a hero I could be? Not because I could step up and do something, but if I'm open to receiving the grace of God, it could radically transform my life. And you might say, well, I couldn't possibly do that. But actually, the great thing about this is it's not ultimately about us. What, what did she do? If you looked at the scales of her life, did she deserve it? Man, they would say, not a chance. Do you deserve it? Let me say for you, not a chance. Because <laughs> some of you had to think about it for a moment. Maybe I do, Pete. Well, then maybe you need to look a little longer at the scales. Maybe I'll ask somebody in your house. They could answer for you. Let's be honest, if I think I deserve it, my kids would tell me I don't. We deserve nothing. But by his grace, everything could change. And so we could go from this place. This is why we want to take time and, and celebrate. Jesus, by your grace, everything has changed. Some of you probably feel very lonely. London can feel a lonely place. But grace, we go from being an, an isolated prostitute that only knew intimacy because they were paid to a loving wife. He's got a child, we know at least one, in a family. For these people, that would have been a picture of contentment, of wholeness, of future, of our hope. You think, wow, why did she go from one to the other? Because of a scarlet thread of grace from God. And that is true for each one of us. I'm going to pray. And then these guys are going to lead us. Father, we thank you for your grace. I thank you for this, this picture. Oh, Father, I realize myself, Lord, I've not told half of it. Lord, I stood before you in those scales. I know I'm in trouble. But by your grace, you sent your son to die for me. That I'm no longer rejected and outcast and lonely. I'm welcomed and in a family. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you for your willingness to go to the cross. I thank you, you died in my place. You rose again to offer me life. Thank you for your grace. Amen.